put up here. So the objective of Settlers, right, is to build on land. So these are all different, like, resources. So this color here is sheep, this is brick, this is wood, and then the gray is ore. And these are all resources, and you have to build on them, and you collect in the resource because there's numbers there you can't see. And as you collect resource, you build, and you start to create this incredible line of just, like, cities and settlements and roads. And the way to win it is to pretty much build the biggest thing. And this game is all based on resource. You need resource. Without resource, you're going nowhere. Nowhere. So the original game of Settlers is amazing. I love it. But the best part about this game is that you can buy expansion packs. And the expansion packs are amazing. So the expansion packs increase the size of the board, they increase the resource, they increase the number of people who can play, and they increase the length of the game, as well as adding new areas for strategy and development. So after celebrating my win in my typical humble way, <laughs> kind of humble, <laughs> God began to talk to me about the importance of an expansion pack. And it's an area that I want to draw on throughout this message. So remember, expansion pack increases all those incredible things to the game. Awesome. Let's go to our key scripture tonight. Exodus 18, 13 to 24. Chapter 18, 13 to 24. Great. It says, The next day Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people, and they stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, What is this you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses answered him, Because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Moses' father-in-law replied, What you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me, and I will give you some advice, and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to Him. Teach them His decrees and instructions, and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. But select capable men from all the people. Men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple cases, they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter, because they will share it with you. If you do this, God and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain, and all these people will go home satisfied. Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. A long scripture, but a great scripture. Well, I don't know about you, but even in my short existence, sometimes I get a, a word from God or a prophecy, and I'm like, wow, I can't wait for that to happen. And then a year later, it doesn't look like I'm any like closer to, to the call. It just doesn't look like I'm any closer. Or alternatively, I receive a word from God, and I'm like, God, there's no way I can do that. I'm already doing so much. You know, God, it says your burden is light, but I just feel weary, worn down, and I just don't think I can actually do any more, God. 
I don't know about you, but sometimes it feels like we reach a point. Well, I feel like I've reached a point where I'm just playing the same game over and over again. We don't feel like we're progressing whilst at the same time we are concerned that we can't progress. It's like this awkward phase where I don't want to progress, but at the same time I do want to progress and I don't have enough to progress. And it's just this horrible cycle. And we get frustrated and we cry out to God, I need more time, I need more resource, more money, I need more strategy. God, what have you got for me? I don't feel like I have a purpose or you haven't given me enough to complete the call you're asking me to do. God, what have you got for me? And God just says, stop asking what and ask who. The other day I was going through my normal routine, shower, cereal, all that kind of jazz, or toast, peanut butter toast, and pondering about the prophecies that I have um, received this year and in my past, as well as just my call in general. And the Lord decided to lay down a challenge. He said, Matt, Matt, I was in the shower, so he had to be quite loud. <laughs> Matt, you're great at asking, you're great at always asking, what have you got for me, God? But you're awful at asking, who have you got for me, God? You're great at asking, what have you got for me, God? But you're awful at asking, who have you got for me, God? You see, God's positioned people around us who have the strategy we're crying out for, who have the resource we are praying for, who have the time when we're time poor, and all we have to do is ask, who have you got for me, God? Not what have you got for me? Just like the board game I talked about earlier, we must purchase our expansion pack if we wish to move on from the same game. Your expansion pack doesn't look like a little box of resource that riddles around and gets you really excited. It looks like a pack of people. Your answer is who, not what. Awesome. The other day, <laughs> I was trying to do an assignment for uni, and I was watching a documentary for it called The Age of Loneliness. And it was a documentary that was based on how Western society has become increasingly individualistic. It's all about competition. I'm getting up this high. I'm competing for this. And it's, it's creeping into younger and younger now. It's like there's this, this competition environment where we all just become individuals pegged against one another. So I was watching this documentary, and if I'm honest, it was an incredibly uncomfortable watch. Abby was actually sitting in the chair beside me, and she's like, oh, what are you watching? This is horrible. I just feel awful, like, because <laughs> she could hear it. And I was like, yep, it's a tough watch. It's a tough watch. So it was released this year, so it's really recent. And it documented some of people's individual struggles with loneliness, as well as presenting the whole population sort of statistics and whatnot. So I was watching it, and the concept that Jesus came back from the lost really came alive to me again. I was like, whoa, we actually are lost? Um, half the time. So yeah, it's tough hearing countless people talk about the loneliness they feel day to day, week to week. Um, 
there were people in the clip, both old and young, it wasn't just the old, that hadn't actually had someone come to visit them in over a month. And they were too afraid to go outside because they just got into this place of isolation. So they actually hadn't seen someone for a whole month. And there was a man in there who just said openly to the camera, the whole reason I signed up to do this documentary was so I could guarantee that someone would come see me each week. That's, that's sobering. That, that, that talks a lot about isolation and its power. So in this clip, I also found that young people are almost as lonely as elderly. So our supposedly socialites are as lonely as our elderly. That university is actually one of the loneliest times for a lot of people. It's not just this massive, awesome party. They don't come to Dunedin and just have this incredible life all the time. There's lost out there. One of the most exciting things about life, I don't know this yet, hopefully it's a wee way off, kids. <laughs> kids, yes. Apparently one of the most exciting things in life, but one quarter of British parents admit to feeling lonely. They got this little one around all the time, but they feel lonely. Another thing, Facebook often makes people feel worse simply because it shows people having fun without you. Predominantly, people aren't jealous of what you're doing. It's the fact that you're doing whatever with someone. It's the relationship. It's like, oh, I want to be doing life with someone. But perhaps the most concerning thing I found through watching this and the most relevant to our world today is that loneliness is actually linked to almost every mental health issue. So mental illness can cause isolation as much as isolation can cause mental illness. And it's a huge issue in our, in our world at the moment. There's so many people, like one in four people every year get anxiety or attacked with that sort of thing. And there's this, all this prevalence of mental health. It's a, it's a passion of mine to be like, no, nah, that's not right. Do you know that the tactic of the devil is isolation? He knows that loneliness is related to purpose. When we are lonely, we feel as though we don't have a purpose because no one relies upon us. So why would when the devil isolate you? Because if he can isolate you, you, then he can diminish your call and your purpose. You see, if you're always asking, what have you got for me, God? What's my purpose? But fail to ask, who have you got for me? Then slowly you will be led into isolation and start to believe the lie that we have no what to our lives, that God didn't give you a purpose when he created you. We're crying out for purpose. We're crying out, what do you want of me, God? But we're actually leading into a place where that what is silenced. For some tonight, and I'm certainly included in this, and this is why it's quite an uncomfortable message to write down. I believe God is saying, Adam, what are you doing back here? Adam, what are you doing back here alone? I thought we dealt with that ages ago. Why do you keep going through that struggle on your own? Why don't you let your wife, husband, friend help you through that struggle? Why don't you just let them help you? It's robbing your call. We read right at the beginning in Genesis 2.18, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. 
This next stuff blows my mind. You will notice that Eve was created to be Adam's helper, not lover or girlfriend or wife, but helper. You see, Adam didn't need a lover because he was already complete in God who was love. If God is love, as we read in what, 1 John 4, 8, 1 John 4, 8 talks about God is love. So therefore, if he is love, then Adam's complete in love. He doesn't need a lover, but he needs a helper. God saw that he needs a helper. Therefore, how much more do we need a helper in this fallen world if even sinless Adam needs a helper in the haven of the garden where he is one with God? Whew. Come on, even he needs a helper and he's in the perfect environment. He's complete, yet he still needs a helper. God sees it. Don't isolate yourself. Don't buy into the individualistic, well, it's a big word, culture. We all need helpers. We must purchase an expansion pack. Cool. So let's talk about the strength of a pack. Why do we actually need a pack? It's because there's protection. There's protection in the pack. It's interesting. Well, I find this interesting. How we often talk about Bible characters individually. At best, we might talk about two, but usually we just refer to the individual Bible character and we put them on a pedestal as we unpack their lives. So we talk about David, or we talk about Moses, or we talk about Abraham, or we talk about Nehemiah. And as we do this, we begin to formulate the idea that with God, we can do this life alone. That with God, we can do this life alone. I can be the superhero. I don't know if you've seen the movie The Incredibles, but he's like, go home, buddy. I work alone. Mr. Incredible. If he said it, it's true. No. <laughs> no, being alone is not good. It's not good. So we begin to formulate this idea that we can do life alone. But even God, as we talked about, saw the need for more than just him and Adam. In the garden, perfect relationship, Adam still needs a helper. So maybe then we should reanalyze some of the characters we often talk about in isolation. So let's go through some. When Moses began to freak out about speaking in front of the Israelites and Pharaoh, God didn't heal Moses' stutter. He simply said, don't worry, Moses. Aaron's on his way to you. He will speak for you. When the armies of the Amicalites came against the Israelites, Moses was actually an old man. How could he fight? But God said, don't worry, Moses. Joshua will fight for you. All you have to do is hold up your hands. But God, I can't hold up my hands. I'm old. I'm old. Have you not seen me? I'm not like you. I have a body of ages. And God just says, okay, Moses. Don't worry, Aaron and her will hold up your hands. So we hear of three key men already in Moses' life. He's not working in isolation. But then in verse 18 that we read, Moses still needs a bigger pack. What he's doing is not sufficing. People aren't satisfied, and he's burning himself out. What about David? David managed to survive simply because he had a best mate, Jonathan. 
If he didn't have Jonathan, then we probably wouldn't hear all these amazing stories about David. David probably would have been the shortest chapter in the book. Yeah. So he knew what it was to be in a pack. Later on, he then forms his mighty men. I think David understood the strength of a pack. He assigns 30 people to him. What about our main man, Jesus? Jesus had such a revelation of a pack that he not only had one or two friends, but he had 12. Yeah. He had 12 friends. He chose 12 friends. I'm sure Jesus could have pretty much been friends with anyone, but lucky 12. He had 12. So I find it interesting. I was thinking about this, and I found it really interesting that straight after being baptized in chapter 3 of Matthew, Jesus goes straight into the desert by himself to be tested by the devil. And upon coming out, he positions himself to preach and to begin his ministry. And straight away, without hesitation, in the same chapter, he begins to appoint his first disciples. It's almost like Jesus was like, I did that alone thing in the wilderness with the devil once. Screw doing that again. Wow, I survived. God, you're good, and you got me out of that, and you gave me the things to say, but screw doing that again. I need some people around me. I think Jesus knew that significant ministry flows out of significant relationships. He may have existed, I don't know how long he was, 30 years or something, was he? I don't know. He may have existed for 30 years, but when he wanted to begin his ministry, he got people around him. If he was to do the will of God, it was crucial that he went and purchased his expansion pack. Doing life individualistically, running away from his family may have sufficed when growing up, but to do God's work, he knew he needed an expansion pack. You see, isolation is the tactic of the devil. Why? Because it's a lot harder to quit when your team is playing on. It's a lot harder to quit when your team is playing on. Some of you may know that I love cricket. I love cricket. It is my, no, I'm not going to say all this bad. I love God, but I also love cricket. (laughs) Many of you from that response think it's boring. But I love it because it's a game of endurance and it has importance on individual performance, but ultimately it's a team sport. If I bowl an incredible ball and nick the gaff and the keeper drops the catch, it's still a team sport. I can't be everywhere. I can't be everywhere. Thanks, Dad. (laughs) So anyway, a couple of seasons ago, I got the opportunity to play against Brendan McCallum in a club match. This was awesome. I'd only played a couple of senior games, and we hear that Brendan McCallum's thinking back and coming and playing for his club when he's down here with the Black Caps. And it just happens that our draw, we drew them next. So I was like, sweet, I get to play against Brendan McCallum. It was pretty awesome. So anyways, I was pretty stoked. But we lost the toss, and we had to bowl for us. But I was like, sweet, I'm a bowler. That's cool. That's what I do. But it was actually an awful day, and there was this huge howling wind straight down the pitch. Straight down the pitch. And if you know anything about cricket, it's incredibly hard to bowl into the wind. Incredibly hard, because it disrupts your rhythm. You can't run in. It's just horrible. And there's two ends to a pitch. So being the young guy, I didn't get to bowl downwind. I had to bowl into the wind. The joys of being the young one. 
So anyways, I got to bowl the second over, and Brendan McCullum wasn't, op- wasn't opening, but he was set to come in number three. So set to come in next. So I was like, if we can get an early wicket, I could bowl to Brendan and get him out and be a black cap. <laughs> but sadly, my dreams were crushed. Bowling into the wind, I bowled one of the worst overs of my life ever. And it turns out their opening batsman wasn't too shabby. He's a semi-professional, plays in England. So he's like goes from England to New Zealand to anywhere else where they hire him. And he was actually incredible. And he was probably on par with McCullum on the aggression scale. So I just got absolutely pumped in this first over. Absolutely pumped. And I was horrified like they had like ZM there and all these kids and like it was like the biggest crowd would ever played in front of and I just sucked <laughs> so it was horrible I had my head down I was embarrassed and then I had to walk all the way out to the boundary and I was like I just want to quit to walk off the field and to start over again or maybe not even come back But who knows it's hard to quit when your team is playing on. The rest of my team at the end of the over, they all just went to their positions and some giving me a a tap on the butt, that's okay in cricket, and some giving me a high five and others giving me encouraging words and they all got behind me. And who knows in that moment if it was just me, I would have quit or I would have at least stopped trying and given my best. But because my team just kept playing on, I couldn't quit. It's the strength of a pack. You see, when you're in the pack, the devil may be able to find the quitting point of one or two of your team, but he will never find the quitting point of your whole pack all at once. And therefore, he will always, everyone will always play on, and therefore, no one will be taken out by the devil. When you're in a pack, all it takes is one or two playing on keep playing the game, keep doing their positions, and all of a sudden you get back in line. All of a sudden quitting doesn't become an option. Bruce Monk talks about the need for the church to be together, together. Together, together. I love this. So my interpretation is the first together is existing. So not just existing in the same environment, but the second together relying on one another in that environment. I'm great at existing, (laughs) I could turn up and exist in any environment, but to rely on one another, that's the pack. You see, relying on one another sounds like, who have you got for me, God? Who are the people who will help develop the call on my life? Who are the people who have the strengths, resource, and strategy that I lack? Some may be thinking right now, but how could you trust your call with people who aren't perfect, who can and will most likely let you down? Trust. It's a trust issue. Well, God chose you, didn't he? He chose me. Despite my flaws, despite knowing what I've done, what I'm going to do, he still chose me, and he still anointed me to do his works. He wasn't like, okay, Matt, you just won the bench. I know what you've done. You're not getting on the field. No, he trusted me. No surprise, Jesus was a great example of this. Even though the disciples' humanity was was exposed time and time again in the presence of Jesus' perfection, you're always going to be exposed in Jesus' perfection, Jesus still entrusted and released his disciples to do God's work. We read in Mark 3, 13 to 15, 
Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed the twelve that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and have authority to drive out demons. That they might be with him, but that they also might be sent out to preach and have authority to drive out demons. You see, it wasn't, the disciples weren't just about bolstering Jesus up. They weren't just babysitters or security guards. They were actually his hands and feet. They were the application of his call. When the 5,000 needed feeding, Jesus wasn't like, okay, um, it's a problem. If you could just entertain them with that skit that we practiced last week, well, I go feed them and then I'll get back to the spiritual, powerful stuff. He wasn't like that. He said, no, you feed them. And they were a bit shocked. So he said, okay, bring me the five loaves of bread. He blessed them, broke the loaves, and gave the loaves back. And the disciples were like, Jesus, you realize breaking the five loaves in half to create ten smaller loaves isn't a miracle? Oh, I got my pastor joke in there. Woo, take that one off. I had to, I had to, I had to. But anyway, that's not how the story went. So Jesus placed the same number of loaves back into the disciples' hands that he had received. And then it was actually in the disciples' hands that the miracle, miracle multiplication happened. It wasn't in Jesus' hands that this bread all of a sudden, like, and he was like, oh my gosh, go send this out. No, it was in the disciples' hands that the miracle happened. You see, the disciples were Jesus' hands and feet. He released God's importance tasks to them despite their flaws, despite knowing that they would disappoint him sometimes. We need to be people who release important tasks to one another. We must be together, together. Not just existing in the environment. We could turn up every Sunday, but we actually need to rely on one another. We need to start forming our packs. We need to start backing each other's calls. I believe it's time to purchase the all-important expansion pack. What does an expansion pack cost? Humility. Just a whole lot of humility. Don't let your pride rob you of people by your side. Don't let pride rob you of people by your side. Let's get the music team back up. If we let pride rob us of people by our side, we're only robbing our call. We're only further isolating us and we're only just waiting to be picked off. I don't know if you've looked around the room recently, but when you do, you'll notice the high caliber of people that surround you. Really high caliber people. This church is full of incredible, incredible people with incredible calls on their lives. Incredible calls on their lives. What if we backed them? What if we backed them? There's been a lot of words about suddenlies lately, that God is a God of the suddenlies and that we as a church are moving, well, we're in a season of the suddenlies where God's provision is born. Do you know that the expansion pack is a rich source of suddenlies? If you purchase an expansion pack of two, four, six, however many people you decide, I can guarantee your language will overflow with suddenlies. Suddenly, I have time to do everything in my day. Suddenly, this project got off the ground because a talent was added that was missing. Suddenly, I have enough resource 
to do this thing. Suddenly I have a shoulder to cry on. Suddenly I'm not getting picked off all the time. Suddenly my doubt has gone and intimidation is no longer robbing me of my destiny. Suddenly the what, the purpose, the call on my life is actually developing. It's actually developing. It's not, I get a prophecy and then I hope for three weeks and then I say, oh no, that one must have been wrong as well. No, we develop when we say, who have you got for me, God? All you have to do is stop asking, what have you got for me, God? And instead ask, who have you got for me, God? And all of a sudden, all your what's will be provided for. Adam, what are you doing back here alone? I gave you a helper. I gave you a helper. It's important. As I said at the start, this message was uncomfortable to write. It's because naturally I identify as being an introvert. Naturally, I identify as being an introvert. I love getting away from people, having some time to refresh, having some time to process, to detox. I just get to the space where this frustration wells up and I'm like, I need to escape. But the thing is, as I grow up, I realize that I'm actually designed for community. That I'm actually designed for community. It can't just be me and God. Or God and me, if you want to go chromatically correct. I'm real bad at grammar, so the word fix that for me. (laughs) The truth is that there's actually no such thing as being naturally Oh, there's no such thing as naturally being an introvert. This is tough for me to read. There's no such thing as naturally being an introvert because in Genesis 2, we read that God's natural design was for us to have a helper. I'm like, God, don't say that. I need my time away. I need my time. And he's like, why do you think you keep getting picked off? Why do you keep thinking you're doubting? Why do you keep thinking you're looking for more what's instead of who's? It's because I'm not designed that way. It's not how we were designed to be. Even in the garden that was perfect, even when Adam was 100% complete in God's love, he still needed a helper. I need a helper. The thing is, it's through people that I grow not just alone time. It's through people that I grow. My call only gets bigger in the presence of God's people. My call might maintain in isolation, but it's probably not going to if I'm honest, but my call will always grow in the presence of people. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to be hurt by people. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to get frustrated by people. It doesn't mean that they're not going to offend me. It just means that I'm actually needing to grow in that area if I'm going to walk towards the call on my life. In the past, as I said, I've been great at the first together existing in the same environment. But the time has come for the second together, the reliance. Why? Because I'm sick of getting picked off. I'm sick of the doubting. I'm sick of being so focused on what I'm trying to do and what I need, when in reality, I could be actually doing it if I just humbled myself and purchased an expansion pack. 
Instead of asking for everything you need, you could be doing it if you had your expansion pack. Adam, what are you doing back here? I dealt with that ages ago. I dealt with that ages ago. Tonight, why don't we stand? This is potentially (laughs) going to be a bit weird, but I feel it's what God's saying in this moment. When I was growing up, I'm not going to say we were a perfect family, but periodically we would have dinner around the table. We'd create space to have dinner around the table. Periodically, not always. (laughs) Not always. And, And when we did this, we'd pray at the start and bless the meal and say our grace. And as we did this, we'd actually hold hands. Would hold hands, and it's weird how something like that can be so significant in the development of a family unit. It's incredible how just a, a small thing like a handhold and just joining together and unifying can be so important. So tonight, I don't know, it's probably going to be uncomfortable, but I'm going to invite everyone to hold hands in this place as I pray for you guys. As we unite, as we join as a pack, you might have to do some moving, but I just want us all to, to link on up. Join up, Michael. Join up, join up. Oh, who should we join to? Are we all connected in this place? The band is connected spiritually. Spiritually connected or by the MD. Awesome. Why don't we pray in this place? Dear Jesus, thank you so much. For the revelation you brought tonight, Father God. Thank you, Lord, that you didn't design us to operate alone, Father God, that you actually destined helpers for us, Father God. Lord, as a church right now, we join together, not just physically, but spiritually, Father, and we we commit to backing each other, Father God. Lord, joining as a pack, Father God. Lord, we, we will always play on as a church, Father God. There will always be more to do, Father God. So we declare right now that there's gonna be no one in this place who the devil gets. There's gonna be no one who can slip through the gap and quit, Father God, because we are gonna surround them, Father. Father God, thank you, Lord. Right now, I pray that you would bind us together, Father God. Lord, that we would be your branches as it says. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Church, welcome to your expansion pack. Welcome to your sudden lease. Welcome to God's provision. Welcome to your... Who have you got for me, not just what? Don't need to call you Adam anymore. Come on. You're not Adams anymore. You have an expansion pack. You just upgraded. You're no longer playing the same game. And if you feel like tomorrow you're back in the same game, then why don't you call someone up? Because you have an expansion pack. We're all behind you here. We're all behind you here. Let's not let intimidation rob us of the calling. What if everyone stepped into function here? 
What if it wasn't just about position and everyone stepped into function? Woo! Dunedin, watch out. Dunedin, watch out. Come on. Well, if you're in this place, I can't bypass the moment to lead you into a relationship with Jesus if you haven't already known Him. Jesus is phenomenal because He's a great safeguard for not being lonely. A really great safeguard for not being lonely because He's always there, always there to call on, always there in a time of need, in the good and the bad. That's why God sent Him to us as well. So tonight, if you're in this place and you don't know Jesus, then I'd love to lead you into a relationship with Him. So I'm just going to count to three with every eye closed and head bowed. If you're in this place and you're saying, I want to start a relationship, I want to have that person who's there for me all the time, then just chuck your hand up at the count of three. One, two, three. Just looking from my left to my right. Just one more opportunity tonight. From my right to my left. Well, I haven't seen any hands tonight, church, but that's all good. That's all good. I know there's a pack who's going to go out there now. There's a pack who's going to go out there and function in their calls, and we're going to reach the city because Jesus wants us to. There's lost out there, and it's not just one demographic. It's all demographics. There's everyone who needs a shoulder to cry on, someone to talk to. Awesome. Let's just pray. Let's just close this off, eh? Thank you, Jesus, for such an incredible night. Thank you, Lord, that you've reminded us about the strength of your community, that the church isn't a building, but it's actually the people. And as we rely on one another, we're going to be released into such a freedom, Father. God, I just declare right now that there will be a lot of who have you got for me, God, in the coming week. And that as they strengthen one another, Father God, that the city would be met, Father God, in their lost places. We praise you, Lord. You're an amazing God. We love being in your presence. We love praising you, Father God. We love that you give us purpose, but most of all, that you warm us with your love. Thank you, Lord. We bless your name. Amen. Amen. Praise.